Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta. Uh, across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, we are terrible at predicting baseball. We are. Yeah, we are awful. Congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they did it. They won two games. Yeah. We thought they weren't going to do it. It took them two games to do so. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that happened. Um, I said the Dodgers would win the first three games. Yeah. And uh, so far they can To be fair, you one. did say they would win the Freed game at home. I did. <laughs> and so I, I knew that the Braves were hosting, but not for the two minutes I was predicting the series. The series. Yeah. I knew it before and after, but not during. So I said, you know, Dodgers will win first three, but, you know, the, the Braves will get the, the Max Freed game at home. Yeah. I mean, I was partially right. I just didn't have the game correct, even though we already knew. <laughs> it's where like the th- easiest part. Yeah. Even, yeah. Like, <laughs> even though I already knew where this game would be uh, and when it would be, uh, I, I just didn't get that right. So, you know, that. That was rough. Um, But, yeah, the Braves, uh, you know, surprising the baseball world. I think the other series, we kind of got a little bit of what we expected, you know, in in some form or fashion, a split in Houston. Yeah. But the Braves are out 2-0. Where do we want to start here? Do we want to start with uh, Red Sox-Astros? We've already talked about the Braves. I think we should just stick with the Braves. Yeah, let's do it. It it is the hottest topic of the the day here. On Monday, October 18th. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Saturday night after the Red Sox won against the Astros, it was uh, Max Fried versus an array of Dodgers pitchers. We thought maybe Scherzer was going to get the start on uh, Saturday, given he would have had a day's rest um, after his one inning of work on Thursday. But that was not the case. It was... Uh, basically a bullpen game for the for the Dodgers. Kind of a mismatch uh, for the Dodgers, given that they were facing um, Atlanta's, what I would say would be Atlanta's best starter right now uh, with Max Fried. And, uh, you know, ended up being a tight game until uh, until eventually we see the walk-off. Yeah, it was. Um, the Dodgers had a – I wasn't able to watch game one, unfortunately, but they – I believe they had – did they have a lead in that game? Uh, the Braves – yeah, at, at at points, I think they traded. I think it might have been like one nothing, one one, two one, two two, okay, type thing. I don't think two runs were scored at a time necessarily. I'll have to go back to the box score here on the NL National League Championship Series, where yeah, I mean, <coughs> um, excuse me, Braves started with a one nothing lead in the first. Uh, then the Dodgers tied it 1-1 in the top of the second. Dodgers uh, took a 2-1 to lead in the top of the fourth on a Will Smith homer. And then in the bottom of the fourth, the Braves uh, tied it once again. And then uh, no one scored until the bottom of the ninth, which were some you know, frustrating innings for both. Uh, probably especially the Dodgers, given all their opportunities with runners in scoring position, as we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, a pretty pretty solid game. Some high leverage situations. Um, you know, looking at you know that that was the game. That was a game where the Dodgers went one for eight with runners in scoring position. Um, the Braves only had two opportunities with runners in scoring position, and uh, they they got one of them. And I mean, uh, wait, they had they walked. How they walk off again? Yeah, Austin was, Riley hit a single. Yeah, so that it, it that was, was one walk. of them. Yeah, so they went one for two with runners in scoring position, and that that uh, 
Kind of crazy. That one time that they got the hit with runners in scoring position, it was a walk off. So yeah, I mean, that was a three to two game. Uh, they they had the the Riley home run to make it. Uh, that was their second run, and then I'm trying to remember what was the. Well, what was the second one? Or no, they scored in the first too, and it was on a ground out, I think. Um, in that game. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I saw the first inning because I believe the Red Sox game was still. Uh, it was a wild pitch. That's why happening. The Red, I did. Yeah, the Red Sox game was still on at that time. Um, Corey Canable threw. By the way, Corey Canable starting this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just you know, on one day's rest. He goes on a day's rest. Max Scherzer does not. <laughs> didn't didn't go exactly as planned. Um, his his inning went. Uh, let's see, single strikeout. Uh, but Eddie Rosario steals second. Ground out, which moves him to third. Wild pitch, strikeout. So I mean, like it was actually a it was actually not a bad inning. He just he gave up one hit, but you know, base running and and wild pitches ended up scoring a run. So kind of a weird. Uh, just a way to move guys around, but the Braves did it and it worked. Right, yeah, it, yeah. It's always weird when, you know, you just allow a base runner and you, unlike unlike a single, and he just finds a way around the bases. It's, it's like, you know, was it bad inning? Maybe I guess, but just kind of weird how it happened. Yeah. But I mean, uh, after him, it was uh, pretty, pretty good from the Dodgers. Bullpen after him. I mean, uh, it was two runs allowed and eight and a third. Um, for uh, including Kniebel, fourteen strikeouts on the day, uh, yeah. with no walks. So uh, get Babbitt, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, only allowed six hits. Uh, looking at looking at the final statistics, given the uh, Dodgers' opportunities with runners in scoring position and the Braves. That's something. That was one that the Dodgers had to have. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was a Dodgers game all the way up until it wasn't. I mean, like, like you just mentioned, fourteen. I want to check this. Fourteen strikeouts, no walks, and you lose. Like that's that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's probably something that uh, has happened. Like if it has happened, it's happened maybe once. In extra innings. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying. To, I'm gonna look at postseason history because that sounds like something that just doesn't really happen. Yeah, because you know. Usually 14 strikeouts, you you get a walk or two in there. But no. Um, 14 strikeouts, zero base on balls. Yeah. And then the outcome is win, and it's postseason. And this is team batting, I believe. Yeah, and then uh, Max Reed had himself a good day. Six innings, two runs, two earned runs. That is the first time in uh, 31 innings he had allowed a run. Just insane. So... Uh, Chris, can you can you get the button out, please? Uh, all right, yeah, we got a we got a button alert here. <clears throat> the Atlanta Braves in Game One of the 2021 National League Championship Series against the Dodgers became the first team in postseason history to win a game in which they struck out at least 14 times and walked zero times. How about that? Yeah, wow, what a weird performance there from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it's. They came through the one time they really had the opportunity to, for the most part. Um, <clears throat> I mean, because they scored. How'd they score? They scored on a wild pitch. A wild then, pitch, a home run, and a walk-off single. Right, yeah. Um, was it Jock in the fourth? Uh, uh, no, the it was Austin Riley. Austin Riley, yeah. yeah that yeah. was just the Austin Riley game. That's true. Simply. That is true. Yeah, the Braves have had some guys step up for sure. Um, with uh, their bullpen has just been pretty big for the most part outside of the what was it the seventh inning last night like their bullpen has been huge all postseason right and you know you could argue they should have scored less runs um based on like how based on how that play at center field was yeah handled Uh, i i would argue against that i would argue against because like realistically heredia wasn't catching that ball Mm. and the best case scenario would probably be he plays it on a hop and two runs are still going to score on that play because there was two outs, so Will Smith was going on contact. So he was probably rounding third by the time that ball dropped. So even if he played it perfectly on a hop and threw it home, still really unrealistic that he was getting him. The only difference that was made by the ball getting by Heredia was that runners went from se- went to second and third instead of first and second. Yeah, But that... no other runs scored anyway. So yeah, exactly. really, like, I don't think. Uh, Jesse Chavez, I don't know if, wait, I don't know if this is all... Uh, this postseason or uh, in general or just this series. But, like, 
I mean, Jesse Chavez, AJ Minter, Tyler Webb, Luke Jackson, and then um, Chris Martin and Will Smith uh, each pitched and allowed no runs last night. Tyler Matzek was the one who did allow two runs, but kind of unfortunate circumstances because he did intentionally walk a guy mm-hmm. right before they brought Luke Jackson in. So, like, that is... And I believe, and that was one of the runners that scored because Luke Jackson came in, hit a batter, that gave up the single, and then got out of it eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so far, some some of the Braves' um, headline performers: uh, Jock Peterson yesterday he had a home run. He's two for seven with a home run in total. Austin Riley three for seven with uh, <clears throat> three for seven with a home run and three RBI, and he has. Uh, 0.68 WPA. Wow. And uh, that is uh, that leads the team. And then you have Eddie Rosario. He is 5 for 9 this series uh, with an RBI, and he has .55 WPA. Um, I want to see, what was Austin Riley's WPA in that first game? Uh, that's a good... Uh, probably, probably pretty good. Yeah, probably near 1. I'd have to imagine there. I wouldn't say near one, but it was probably like eight, maybe seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then out of the bullpen, uh, with the with the Braves, um, Jesse Chavez has had a scoreless inning. Luke Jackson has had two scoreless appearances. Yeah. Okay. It was three eighty. Uh, Chris Martin a score a scoreless appearance. AJ Minter a scoreless appearance. Will Smith two scoreless appearances. Uh, Jacob Webb a scoreless appearance. I think. The only uh, bullpen arm that has allowed a run on the was Braves Matzik. was uh, Matzek. He allowed two yeah. runs. Um, and then, so, yeah. yeah, like they've overall just like that's been probably the biggest surprise, I think, from that Atlanta Braves team. You know, like the, the lineup we know is good. Starting pitching, they have their strong points, even if they're not the best in the world. But that bullpen, that was their biggest question mark going into the playoffs, and they've really uh, stepped up this postseason. I think that's a huge part of why they went to Milwaukee and won. That's why they're up 2-0 against the Dodgers. Right, yeah. yeah like, we're going to talk about the Dodgers' failures with runners in scoring position, but that, those are situations that were created by Atlanta's bullpen that they got out of Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, so far in this series, nine innings, two runs allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, going to put you in a good place, um, especially with Game 1 when Ian Anderson uh, only— Game 2. Oh, yeah, Game 2 when Ian Anderson went four. only when— uh, I, think I think he went 4. Maybe he went into the fourth, but it says he went three innings. Okay, you're right. Yeah, he did um, go. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so even more of an exclamation point by the Atlanta bullpen. Um, yeah, they've. Uh, I, you know, I think I think I think the Braves have surprised us. I think the Dodgers have also surprised us with. You know, two for eighteen with runners, yep. runners in scoring position is all you really have to say. Yeah, two for eighteen with runners in scoring position during those two games. One of them was. Uh, obviously, that base hit by Chris Taylor. One of th- I think they were both Chris Taylor. I think both hits with runners in scoring position were the same guy. <laughs> yeah, let me funny. let me check that. Uh, yep, absolutely, that is very much correct. Uh, how about this? Only one hard hit ball with runners in scoring position this series, and I, I use that term lightly because it was a ninety-five point five mile an hour flyout by Cody Bellinger with a forty-one degree launch angle. Uh, ninety-five point five forty-one is almost never going to be a home run. Yeah, yeah, no. I was uh, also on a three-zero count too. Yeah, that's never quite gonna gonna work. For if you're you. gonna have a forty de- forty-degree launch angle, that better be at least like one hundred. Right. And even that's probably not gonna cut it in most places, unless you're in like the Crawford boxes or the Green Monster or the Short Porch. Yeah, 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 yeah. But exactly. But no, you're in Atlanta. And that's not how that works. Right. Right. Pretty open stadium. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So yeah, Braves are up two nothing. How do we feel heading into games three, three, four, and five? I think what's huge here is the Dodgers cannot clinch at home. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like the Dodgers are just hoping to send it back to Atlanta at this point. Right. That's that's yeah. the craziest thing. Um, I want to talk about Dave Roberts a little bit because you know I was very adamant on giving him credit for what he did in Game Five in in San Francisco, and I stand by that, but. What, what like I don't understand bringing Julio Arias into that game in the eighth inning. Yeah, it it seemed to, it seemed to be a little overkill mm-hmm. trying to maximize uh, maximize your arms there. Yeah, um, especially with the amount of effective and healthy relievers you had in that bullpen. Like you could have easily gone Gratterall for the eighth, Jansen for the ninth. 
Right. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a scenario like... <laughs> because Gratterall ended up starting in the ninth. He gave up a, a broken bat base hit, got two outs, and then the runner moved from first to second, and and Jansen ended up throwing one pitch, which was an error by Corey Seager. That's what won the game. Right. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, the, the runner moved to second on a soft ground ball. Like, all things considered... Bruce Dar Gratterall did a fine job. He gave up a broken bat single. Nothing you can do about that. Get babipped. Yes, get babipped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I was looking at the um, Savant numbers against Gratterall last night. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a thing. Roberts doesn't have a situation where it's like, well, I got to choose between, between – uh, Adam Adovino, Rod- Ryan Brazier, and Nick Pavetta right now. Yeah. I guess I'll go with my start, you know, one of my starters. It's like, no, you have two very reliable relievers mm-hmm. in Gratterall and mm-hmm. Jansen who have shown to be reliable uh, in this postseason. Um, I mean, in the in this brief time in the postseason thus far, they've only played seven games so you far. You also have Phil Bickford in your bullpen who, this series, I mean, I guess he did use him a decent amount the night before, but uh, one in the third inning, three strikeouts. Yeah, Which I think the caveat might just be exactly that that he used them the night before. But the Dodgers used like seemingly everyone in Game One. They did a full bullpen attack. Yeah, in that yeah, game. yeah. Um. So yeah, looking at Gratterall's numbers against him. Yeah, Kenley threw two days in a row. Trinan threw two days in a row. Vasia threw three days in a row. Like right. like Dave Roberts hasn't shied away from throwing people uh, twice two days in a row. Like I don't understand why you didn't do it with. Like why he couldn't have done it with someone else? Why did he had? Why did he have to put Arias in that game? Right, um, yeah. Gr- uh, Gratterall starts off the inning with a seventy nine point four mile per hour single. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a forty five point one mile per hour ground ball. I was that it. It had a negative forty six degree launch angle. I don't remember if it was a bunt, but oh yeah, it was. Okay, it was, it was a bunt. Yep, it was a bunt. It was the one where they you know, they got the force out at second because it was it was Dansby right. Um, yes. Yeah, Dansby bunted. It wasn't a good bunt. They got the force at second. And then Heredia had a swinging bunt that actually got the runner to second with two outs. And then Eddie Rosario, who went four for five in that game, uh, you know, credit to him. Yeah. Like, he had, he had a huge a huge game for himself. Um, right, right. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah Gratterall allowed a 40-mile-per-hour ground ball to Heredia. And, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels weird after a guy's kind of having a decent inning, at least like with how guys are seeing him, uh, to put a new guy in in the middle of an inning. I feel like uh, what gets lost sometimes with fans is how important it is for relievers to start innings instead of coming in into the middle of one, Um, especially with someone like Kenley Jansen, who's an established closer. I mean, like none of this, like Kenley did not have any fault in any of this. Like he gave up a ground ball that Corey Seager should have fielded. Yeah, like that is, you can look at it whatever way you want. I know that it was a hard hit ball, but like you gotta, you gotta at least knock it down because there's two outs. Uh, who was it? Freddie Freeman was on deck, and obviously he is dangerous as he is, but he hasn't been himself in these two games. Right, right. Like just based on, based on uh, reputation from those two games, you'd honestly rather face Freddie Freeman than uh, Eddie Rosario. But granted. You know, these two games aren't everything. I'm not saying that that should be the Dodgers' yeah. mindset. But regardless is, you got to field that ball and not let a run score because, I mean, like, you know, if you make an error and you, you don't get the out at first, whatever, if you keep the guy at third, you get to the next guy and you see what happens. But you cannot let that run score on that ball. Exactly. Exactly. It, it was flubbed a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're you know major league second baseman slash short shortstop. You're kind of expected to make those plays, mm-hmm. um, you know. But it's tough, tough how it ended for the from a Dodgers perspective, and uh, ended very well from a Braves perspective. So uh, oh, I'm checking a couple things. <clears throat> so yeah, it, it was it's it's been interesting seeing Roberts Roberts go very unorthodox here. Yeah. With probably the most talented roster he's had. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the most talented roster he's had. Which is crazy to think about, given mm-hmm. the rosters, the also, previous rosters that he's had. And the fact that you know, they also didn't even win the division, which is yeah. hilarious to think about. And they had as many wins as they did in 2017. Uh, and 
I think they had more wins than 2017. Yeah, I, I'm trying to... I think they I'm, won 104 that year. Okay, 2019, they won 106. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, he's he's being the most unorthodox with his most talented roster. He's not going by the book like maybe you or I would by just kind of you ha- using your relievers as relievers and your starters as starters. I feel like it's easier to do that, especially earlier in the series. But, like, Arias is on. Like, I'm not against using your relievers as, or your starters as relievers. Like, Alex Cora does that all the time, and he gets praised for it. But, yeah. like, Arias was on how many days rest from Game 5? Like, three days rest. And, oh, by the way, he's going to go on two days rest in on uh, in Game 4. Right. Like, he, you're already putting him – you're already putting so much on his plate. Like, what are we – and you have Bruce Dargratterall – Phil Bickford, Kenley Jansen, like you have so many guys in the bullpen that can get you out. Like batter by batter, those guys you could probably make a case are better than Arias. Yeah, yeah. Like and, yeah, Arias was on two days rest too. Yeah. It's you know it's it's a bit of pressure to put on You're right, him. it was two days rest. I feel like yeah, I feel like um you just wait to use him as a starter, especially since it's not extra innings. You, you know, you're your pre your starter for that game went four and a third, which by playoff standards is is pretty like right where right where you need him to be, and uh, you know you have a deep bullpen already. So you know if I feel like you should wait to use Arias until tenth, eleventh inning if it gets there. Yeah, like if you're putting your Arias in relief, you're going for longevity. Like yeah. bat like batter for batter, that's where you put your relievers in because those are where they're more effective. That's that's just the reality of the situation. Exactly. So I guess we'll see, we'll see how Roberts keeps managing this series. Um, it's it's the most unique we've seen him manage um, probably ever, probably ever yeah. in his uh, six years there in LA. Um, he started in 2016, right? Yes. Yeah. So six year in LA. I, I love this stat right here. So Eddie Rosario, like we were mentioning earlier, uh, he went four for five last night. He had a 503 win probability added. Uh, he is the fifth Brave in playoff history to have at least that. Uh, the first one was Francisco Cabrera in in that game, in Game 7 of the NLCS in 1992, <laughs> right? The one where he had the base hit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Safe. that was, yeah, which makes sense because, you know, that was a, that was a, that was literally a get WPA moment for yes. the Pirates. Like they were up until they weren't until that. Uh, Michael Tucker in Game 5 of the NLCS against the Padres in 1998. Brian Jordan in 1999 in Game 3 of the NLDS against Houston. Uh, and then Eric Hinsky in Game 3 of the 2010 NLDS against the Giants. Eric Hinsky. Yeah. Man. Yep. He just always found himself in the playoffs. He did. Playoff legend Eric Hinsky. People forget. 07 Red Sox. 08, 08 Rays. 09 Yankees. 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 09 Yankees and Until 10. 2010 Braves. 2010 Braves. Let's see if there's any others. I mean, yeah, gotta love that guy. Him and like Johnny Gomes, they just always found themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, those are, it was just those years. He got two rings out of it. Yeah, Eric Hinsky, he he's you know he serves a, a good memory in my head because uh, the first game I ever went to, first MLB game I ever went to, he had a two run triple. Yep. Uh, which is was you know by the looks of Eric Hinsky, triples were very rare. <laughs> From <laughs> how many career triples did he have? I, uh, eighteen. Oh, eighteen. In twelve years. 18 and 12 years. Yeah. I mean, not. Do you remember what year this was? Is it, it was July 21st, 2007. Okay. Well, from 2007 on, uh, he had six triples right. in 701 <laughs> games played. <laughs> so I saw his uh, probably sixth or fifth to last triple. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, in the right in the right field corner. You know, I was at the I was at the game where David Wright hit his last home run. You were at the game when Eric Hinsky hit like his fifth or sixth last triple. <laughs> yes, uh, legend. You know, I I can say that now yeah. confidently. I, I've been one upped. Yeah, yeah. Fi- finally. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, interesting seeing Dave Roberts uh, manage the way he has. We will see how he will. Um. For however many games it takes, maybe it's only two. I doubt it, but. There's still a possibility. If the Dodgers get swept, how much can you really blame this on Dave Roberts? Um, not. It's definitely not all his fault. Yeah, I mean, you you can blame him. Like, I think for some individual games, but like, if you get swept, man, like your players just got to be better. 
Right. Like that's a you don't win a single game, especially when you've won 18 more games in the regular season than the team you're playing. Right. And uh, but I'm I'm not assuming sweep. That <clears throat> sounds too ridiculous. Right. And our uh, sponsor showed up again. W B Mason, who but uh, showed up once again to uh, the studio. But but yeah yeah you, you know. You just look at the runners and scoring position numbers, and it's like, well, that probably had more of a factor, um, but not all of it. So, a I segue. Feel like, I feel like the the postseason runners and scoring position numbers just haven't been good this year. Yeah. Let me, let me check that. Outside of, like, Astros and the ALDS, it's been – because, yeah, I don't know. The Rays in their series hit, like, 240 with runners and scoring position. Uh, Red Sox were probably a little better, I would think, but uh, but yeah. Um, do we want to get into Red Sox Astros? Um, yeah, yeah, and then we could kind of preview the the games, all the games after. <clears throat> yeah, just real quick. Um, the league wide batting average with runners in scoring position throughout the playoffs this year has been two thirty. Hmm. Yeah. It's usually it's, what? What was it during the regular season? If I had to guess, I would say two fifty-five. Wow, that sounds that sounds high. Um, I would say just like two forty-five. Um, do you have? Oh no, it's two fifty-two. Yeah, you were you were pretty much right on. Yeah, a little, a little close, but um. But yeah, that is a twenty-two point difference. Yeah, it's, it's significant. It's not that small of a sample size. No, it's not outrageously small. Right, it's it's uh, however many games have been played so far. What about like slugging? I feel like there haven't been many like extra base hits either. Right, right. Not many like huge, big, momentum shifting hits um, that weren't home runs. <clears throat> I mean, I guess the Taylor double last night. Um, slug, slugging's been three seventy six. It's not that good. Yeah, not good at all. No. <clears throat> so yeah, two thirty with a three three seventy six slugging. That's like a, I mean, assuming, well, actually, I think I can get the OBP as well. Um, the OBP has been 286, so huh. uh, let's see, 286 plus 376 plus 376. It's like mid-600s. 662. 662. Yeah, gross. Yeah. 60, the overall postseason OPS with runners in scoring position, 662. Rough. That is not good. Not good at all. ML, yeah, MLB's got to work it out. Um, but, you know, Guys I guess... got to figure it out. I guess you, you have better pitching out there. Yeah, you do have better pitching out there, but you also have better hitting out there. Correct. Correct. Um, all right. Red Sox, Astros. This is where the League Championship Series is started on Friday night. Um... I guess, yeah, I guess we we talk about Chris Sale first. Yeah. Because, you know, he didn't get the loss, obviously, and it wasn't his fault. Entirely. That he got that uh, the Red Sox lost. But, inevitably, he did not set up the, he did not set up the Red, so- Red Sox pitching well. No. Because the Red Sox, they used eight pitchers on uh, Friday. And for and, the most part, they did reasonably well. Yeah. It's just that... When you go deeper and deeper, you know, especially with with a with the Red Sox, with a team like the Red Sox, the less pitchers you use, the better off you are. Yeah, pretty much. So you know, the less times you got to go to guys like Ottavino or Martin Perez, you know, the, the better has off pitched well though. He has been a little better than he was in September, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I, do you want to get into? Uh, like Chris Sale. The thing that yeah, well, the thing that bothered me in Game One was you saw that strike zone to like J.D. Martinez, right? Uh, yeah. He it, struck out on he struck out looking on three consecutive pitches that were clearly outside. Didn't swing a single time. Struck out. None of them were strikes. And the Red Sox like just never threw to that part of the zone. Yeah. Like it's uh, it seems too obvious. Right. Like the ump's gonna call it a strike. If someone actually makes contact, it's probably not going anywhere. Just camp there. Exactly. Exactly. Felt weird. It did feel weird. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. You know, and we we've, we talked about it privately, like the fact that you know sales got to be better, but we both agreed 
We don't know why Eovaldi is not out there game one. Uh, we understand Sale, I mean, career-wise, better resume. Uh, overall in the year, had a lower ERA. But if I'm looking at <clears throat> Eovaldi's last two starts heading into uh, the ALCS and Chris Sale's first or last two starts heading into... You can go beyond the last two starts. Yeah, you could. But this is what I can remember. Yeah. Like, the Nationals uh, game and then the, the Rays game. Yeah, so with uh, with Chris Sale, game 162, he doesn't get out of the third inning. He just seemed just seemed off. He didn't the the Nationals didn't explode on him, but he didn't look right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in, in game two against the Rays, the Rays pretty much explode on him, uh, and they uh, and they score five runs off of him. He doesn't pitch past the first inning. But then on the flip side, you got Eovaldi, wild card game. Shoves five and a third, one run allowed. Uh, well, eight strikeouts, no walks. Mm-hmm. Evaldi in game three against the Rays, five innings, two runs allowed. I think it was eight or nine strikeouts and maybe one walk. Uh, he was brilliant, amazing, yeah, great. And uh, so I don't see what and and core uh, and uh, Evaldi going into Friday would have had four days rest, which is normal rest for uh for a starter and he had no relief appearances in between. So, um, I, I wasn't really understanding where core was coming from there. Uh, I, I don't know if he was asked about it, but there wasn't really a particular reason stated. I, I, I don't know why, uh, why sale was out there game one, but obviously sale has to do better. He's expected to do better. I mean, I know that like there was a whole big story about him, like developing a, a change up or whatever, which he threw like twice. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, I I feel like he's still like re readjusting himself. It, it seems like he's still kind of readjusting himself post Tommy John out there. I mean, yeah, like that's the thing about Sale. Like he's coming off of a, a year where he threw forty innings and is is still like somewhat recovering from a career changing surgery. Yeah, yeah, and having that surgery as someone on the wrong side of thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably going to take him a little longer than to recover than you know, say a young guy like Strasburg did or, or Matt Harvey did. And you know, we didn't ha- we know he didn't have the greatest career, but he bounced back pretty well immediately after the surgery. Yep. But yeah, like uh, Evaldi just seems more primed and ready to go, obviously, right now. So Sale, you know, he's throw his average fastball is around ninety four right now. Uh, I mean, he was throwing ninety six on on uh friday but it, it just uh, he he doesn't seem all together he, he's not the ace chris sale yet i feel like it's coming but it's not there right just just yet yeah um, um I, I don't know what else i mean like game one was i mean the astros like they came out firing they you know they had they had that home run by correa where he pointed to his wrist and said what time is it that was cool that was like i i admire the Astros for just embracing that villain mentality. Like, yeah. I think it's so good for baseball that they, they know who they are. They know what they look like in other people's eyes, and they're running with it, and it works for them. Yeah, they can't stop uh, what people are going to think of them. So, mm-hmm. they're you know, they've Run chosen to embrace, Why embrace not? it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, the, the Red Sox were able to get three runs in the third inning of that game. Uh, some of them are unearned runs. Yeah, most um, of them unearned runs. I believe, yeah. I should go back to... The only earned runs the Astros were gave up were home runs to Kike Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. Who's, you know, otherworldly in this playoffs. Yeah, he has been... Wow. I mean, uh, something else for sure. If we look at the earned runs by Framber Valdez, he, he allowed three runs, two of them earned. Um, it was kind of kind of a weird, wacky inning. It always is with Framber Valdez because he's, mo- he's given up like 70% ground balls. Yeah. So... It's just whatever's sneaking through is going to sneak through. The favorite, the funniest thing was that the Red Sox had grounded into two double plays in the first two innings, and all the, like all the the Boston media and fans on my Twitter timeline were like, "Stop grounding into double plays!" It's like, do you know who you're facing here? Yeah. Do you understand who this is? Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. that's part of the scouting. It's like, don't get your singles with one out or with no outs because you're going to ground into a double play. That's just how this works. Yeah, it's like. Uh... Yeah, it's like facing 
Josh Hader and being like, uh, why are they striking out so much? Yeah, stop striking out. <laughs> Have you heard of hitting the ball? Yeah. Have you heard of getting a hit? Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously this guy's specialty, and he's obviously been doing this to the entire league. Yeah. Yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> um, Not only that, but like they showed a graphic pre-game showing that like Valdez had like the highest ground ball rate in the qualifying season like since they started tracking it with like 70%. It's like, you saw the graphic. Why are you upset they're hitting ground balls? That's just what this guy does. That's yeah. who you're fa- – like I know it's a, a relatively new concept to the general public, a guy who just exclusively – like uh, inherits ground balls, especially at his rate. But it's like, it's it's literally it's like you said, it's like getting upset that you're striking out against Josh Hader. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like for more statistical um, perspective on it, I, uh, out of um, all the seasons in the Statcast era, uh, Framber Valdez has the lowest launch angle against of all of all seasons with 300 plus batted balls against. He, his average launch angle this year was negative six. Negative 5.5, technically. Ne- negative but basically, 5. basically negative six. Rounds up to negative yeah. six. The next lowest out of 820 seasons was negative, negative two. Two, yeah. So, like, he's on. He's otherworldly as far as giving up ground balls, Framber Valdez. The only, his only issue is walks. Like, that's where that's what kind of kills him. The mm-hmm. Red Sox, they walked four times all game. How many times did Valdez? Three. three. Okay, well, that makes sense. Three walks, two and two-thirds innings. Yeah, that, that's what... Yeah, that's what Fair gets into bad situations. Um, yeah, Kike had his home run in that inning as well. Um, and then, yeah, Red Sox offense kind of went radio silent after that um, until uh, until the ninth when Kike showed up once again. Yeah. The Astros' bullpen went, uh, what, six and a third innings, one run allowed. Uh, right. That's crazy. Right. Especially from a bullpen that struggled in the series before. Yeah, and only uh, only one walk uh, allowed in those six and a third innings, and I'm trying to tally up the strikeouts. One, five, six, seven, eight. So yeah, eight, uh, eight strikeouts, no walks, or one walk. Eight strikeouts, one walk in that from that Astros bullpen. Yeah, they stepped up for sure. Uh, Garcia finishes the third. Christian Javier had a great two innings, one base runner allowed, four, four strikeouts. strikeouts in two innings. That's good. Phil Martin. Uh, mid-season acquisition for them. Brooks Raley came in and looked really good. That was probably the like statistical worst pitcher on their staff. He mm-hmm. came in and looked really good uh, against a couple of lefties. Yeah, he did. He did, he did. Um, yeah, uh, Stanek uh, came in for one guy. Got him out, Graveman. Uh, Graveman. People, people were upset that uh, Danny Santana was pinch-hitting for Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and, which like you know between those two, I get it. But Graveman had a three forty eight OPS against uh, for for right handers and a seven forty eight OPS against for left handers. That's a four hundred point difference. So it makes yeah. it makes a ton of sense actually, especially with the way Renfro's been performing this postseason. He's kind of been he's been due as we've been saying for <laughs> for like two weeks at this point. Yeah, I mean he's strung together some base hits and some walks, but like. But no overall, extra base hits. Yeah, no extra base hits. That's that's the guy who hit what twenty seven, twenty eight home runs this year. I think he reached thirty. Did he? Uh, yeah, which was you know okay. surprising. Oh yeah, he hit thirty one. Thirty one. Two. Yeah, he's a, hitting two fifty nine, which is not bad. But I mean, like you said, no, not a lot of walks, no extra base hits. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, it's uh, that was a pretty. That was a pretty interesting game. Uh, how it all turned out, just. You know the, it, both both uh, both pitchers ironically enough went two and two thirds innings. So yep. it was bullpen versus bullpen, Astros bullpen came out on top. I think that's all you really need to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and well, Kike Hernandez, Kike so Hernandez good. just try, trying his best to uh, just win every game for the Red Sox. Be a one man show. Uh, then you go to Saturday. Um, Saturday was fun for for us to watch. <laughs> As Red Sox fans, that one was over quickly. Yeah, we had uh, Luis Garcia out there for the Astros. Uh, didn't have a good performance against the White Sox, and uh, the bad juju continued with him on on uh, Saturday afternoon slash evening. I, I don't know what to call it. Four twenty p.m. I don't know what to call it. Um, where he, you know, loads the bases, grand slam. 
by J.D. Martinez. He leaves after the first with some apparent injury. Rafael Devers, grand slam yep. on a pitch that was uh, outside the strike zone. Like it was. A- I thought it was foul. Me too. I thought for sure it was foul. I was like, oh, man, that would have been so sick if he got that, but then he did. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, that's 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 staying, that's staying in there. Oh, that's that's four runs. Yeah, they they were the first team to hit uh, two grand slams in a postseason game. They did it in two innings. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, it was hilarious. That's why that's so wild, man. Two grand slams in two innings. Yeah. So then the first two innings, nonetheless. So then, like, it was just kind of a uh, cruise control from there. Red Sox just kind of held on. That Evaldi out there. Um, I guess we did kind of predict potentially where the um, how how Evaldi might fare against the Astros. Like uh, we talked about how his strikeouts might decrease. He only had three strikeouts on uh, on on Saturday. But also when you're when you're up eight to nothing, you're gonna pitch differently. Yeah, I said I said I wanted Evaldi to go three. Have uh, Cora put in Nick Pavetta for like four innings in relief and just have the bullpen go from there and then save Ivaldi and pitch him for game four. Yeah, yeah. Which I have no idea what the Red Sox are doing for game four, like at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think they're just going to throw Pavetta because he hasn't pitched all series. I think if they need long relief, they'll just look to Hauk. Yeah, yeah. It might be a thing where they just kind of combine them as one starter. That could happen too. Where like each guy goes through the lineup one time and then and then after that it's the bullpen. Um potentially. Yeah, Not, you know. We'll see. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen. I think game th- I mean game 3 is going to be very weird cuz like oh, let's assume Erod goes like 4 to 5 innings. That's I'm that's kind of what I'm expecting from him. Yeah, let's hope. Like what do they do after that? Right. Also what do the Astros do because they so, like, Luis Garcia had to leave with an injury. Uh, supposedly, he's fine now. And then they went Jake Odorizzi. Like, who do they start in game four? Like, right. I, I genuinely have no idea. Yeah, this is where we see the effects of the Lance McCullers Jr. injury. Yep. Um, because you feel, you know... Is it, gr- like, maybe Granky? Like, I know he's hurt, but... Yeah. He hasn't pitched all series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a thing that you... you with the Astros, you have these question marks that you didn't know you would have, you know, uh, before the McCullers injury. Um, so that's where this is where we see the effects is these kind of late later games in the series or like I guess technically it's middle of the series, but the later stages of your your pitching staff there. Um, yeah. So yeah, like game four, game four is definitely going to be the most unpredictable in terms of what people are going to do. Tonight it's Erod versus uh, our guy Jose Arquiti. Jose Arquiti. I mean, Arquiti's he, he's done. He's good. He's done well in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. he pitched. What well, did he? Uh, what was his outing against the White Sox like? Did he have an outing against the White Sox? I'm not sure. Um, I am not entirely sure there. What, what Jose Arquiti has done. Um, yeah, Jose Arquiti. Um. I mean, this guy's kind of a postseason legend. That's how he came up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, we just like we just liked how he performed in, in game no, he did, six of the. He has not ALCS. pitched all playoffs, so this yeah. will be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. He's known as a guy who's like going to have an ERA in the high threes or something like that. Um, he'll he'll give some innings, and uh, I mean, yeah, I think the the biggest variable is. Eduardo Rodriguez, like, are we going to see the game one against the Rays Erod, or are we going to see the game four against the Rays Erod? Mm-hmm. It all comes down to BABIP. Yeah. That's it, just that's just how it is. That's that's the one thing. Um, and also, what, what he can control is, you know, the strikeouts and the walks. Yeah. But, like, he's had a career-high strikeout rate, a career-low walk rate. The BABIP has just been brutal. Right. But... I think his problem in the Rays in in game one against the Rays is he went an inning and two thirds, two walks, one strikeout. Mm-hmm. Um, so that even that wasn't working for him. Yeah. Um, so especially with a team that see. just doesn't strike out a lot, like the Rays and Astros are entirely different with their strikeout tendencies. Yes. So if you couldn't strike out Rays, that's concerning. Right. Exactly. Um, 
but I believe you fixed it up for game four. But yeah, the Astros, you know, there's they're a team that's gonna babip you. Yeah. Uh with with their line drives and uh ground balls. Exactly. So it's something you gotta watch out for. Um yeah, I yeah, I I don't really it's tough to see what's going to happen with with either series really in the mm-hmm. next in the next three days before we record next. It'll be yeah. I mean there's a lot to there's a lot of questions to be answered. I think a lot of it lies within, especially in this series, it lies in games four and five, and some of game three. Because like, I legitimately have no idea what other team, either team is going to do. Yeah. Like exactly. the starting pitching in Dodgers Braves is a lot more established. You know, like you could pick out the four guys in those rotations. You really can't do that with the Red Sox and with the Astros. Right. Although, also, can we talk about A Rod in? I think it was game, yeah. Was it game one or two where he just had like the most? I think it was game two, yeah, where he just had some ridiculous tweets that made zero sense. You want to pull those? Up? Yeah. Um, Man. Okay. Let me let me find. Okay, yeah. The so this hap, this tweet was made after Luis Garcia left with an injury, also after giving up a grand slam in the first inning. A Rod says the Astros are going to realize how important starting pitching is. This isn't the Verlander, Cole, Grinky, Morton, McCullers, Astros. Shows really how, shows how much the loss of McCullers really, really hurts. Like, why is he saying this as if it's the Astros' fault? Like, yeah. they're one of their best starting pitchers got hurt. Luis Garcia also supposedly got hurt in that start. And oh, by the way, the Verlander, Cole, Grinky, Morton, McCullers, Astros never existed. Yeah, because <laughs> Charlie Morton's last year with the Astros was 2018. Lance, or no, yeah, it was 2018. Uh, Zach Greinke was not on the team then. Yeah. Uh, and then Charlie Morton left. Zach Greinke still wasn't on the team. Lance McCullers Jr. was out with Tommy John surgery for the entire 2019 season. Right. 2019 happens. Garrett Cole leaves. Justin Verlander pretty much hasn't been there since. He's He was there opening day in 2020, but that was just about it. Um, yeah, that those Astros never existed. Yeah, and like, and he's trying to frame it as if it's all against the Astros. Like, it's right. like they they got to realize starting pitching. Right, and when have the Astros been the bullpenning team? Never. No. The, what what helped them in all their years of success was their starting pitching. Outside of maybe twenty twenty, Ken Giles wanted them to lose so bad in twenty seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> like let's not forget that. Yeah, it was all their starting pitching. Like, uh, yeah, it. You know, it was the Verlanders. It was the Cole, you know, Cole in 2019. Yeah. Verlander, Cole, Granke in 2019. Ken Giles was their closer in the 2017 season. He pitched uh, seven and two-thirds innings in the 2017 postseason and had an 11-7-4 ERA. He gave up an earned run in all but one of his outings. Right. It's a <laughs> thing where, like, yeah, congrats, A-Rod. You got it right. Uh, their 2019 rotation was is better than their 2021 rotation as of now. And then... Yeah, and then that was. Do you have anything else on that one before I move on to the next atrocity? Uh, yeah, I got I got nothing more. Okay, so then you know Kike Hernandez, you know, killing it as we as we mentioned, and A Rod goes for all the analytics people that work in Major League Baseball. Please stop saying there's no such thing as hot or cold. Kike is hot, just like a Rosarena was last year. Simply incredible. Um, I've never heard, I'm just going to be honest, like I've been very involved in analytics and Chris, you have too. I've never heard someone say that hot and cold is, there's no such thing. Yeah, no, I haven't really, I've tried, I've, I've, trust me, I went back in the memory bank, Yeah, but nothing, like nothing the, showed up. The closest thing I can think of is that like, it's not meant to be sustainable. Yeah. Which is, we have a, like, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Yeah. Like, yes, Kike Hernandez is extremely hot right now, but I think what A-Rod's trying to to play is, like, it's, like, the notion that, like, oh, this is just who he is. Like, Kike's <laughs> overperforming right now, let's be honest. Like, this is yeah. a, I, I Believe it or not, Kike Hernandez uh, is not a 667 hitter who consistently puts up a, a 2,400 OPS. Yeah, As no. crazy as that might sound. Yeah, um, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, that and, like, None of this is predictable. Like, you can't predict when a guy's going to go on a hot streak, when a guy's going to... Right, yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, whatever point A-Rod was trying to make, it did not come across the right way at all. Right, exactly. It's just one of those things where it's like, you get to find out when people are just mad at analytics people for no reason at all. 
Yeah, it makes well. A Rod loves doing that too, which makes zero sense. Right, which it does make zero sense because, you know, we've talked about how like he loves small ball, even though he had 696 home runs, and yeah. that's why he's one of the best players ever. It's a shame that he now owns a professional sports franchise while he openly da- like downplays analytics. Right. That's true. It's unfortunate. Sorry, Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Yeah. Yeah, you're going back to uh, Hoosiers-era basketball. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I've ne- I've, I promise you, I have never in my life heard anyone say there's no such thing as hot and cold. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we have a whole segment about who's hot and who's cold <laughs> yeah. in baseball. And we, and we call it, like, our cold segment is called Slightly Alarming, which means... Don't put too much stock into it most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just a cold streak. It happens. It happens to everyone. A-Rod probably would have had a slightly alarming at some point if we covered his career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Like the 2012 playoffs, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, shake my head. Yeah. As... Makes zero sense. Uh, Right. It's <laughs> It's just people getting mad at... Those, like, seriously, people like that need to stop getting platforms. Like, right. I promise you, nobody in 2021 cares what John Smoltz has to say about baseball. Right. Like, in the booth. Right. Well, no, no one who's an up-and-coming baseball fan. Yeah. Like, no one's going to be like, I grew up listening to John Smoltz. Right, yeah. It, not. Yeah, not really. I feel like people care more about the play-by-play guys in terms of, like, mm-hmm. who's in the booth. Like, we, we'll always talk about growing up listening to, like, Don Orsillo. Yeah. Play-by-play guy. And, you know... When we talk about Jerry Remy, we talk about, like, the funny things he yeah, brought like to the Don game. Yeah, like, Don Jerry were a comedy act for 15 years. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about how, like, you know, learning about what we know now. Yeah. Not, no one sold to Jerry Remy. He's he's the best. Yeah, but, love him. Wishing him the best. Obviously, yeah. Um, but, all right, so do we want to talk about how potentially these, these series could play out here? Let's do it. Um. I mean, you know, we won't throw in predictions, but we should, you know, I, th- I think we address kind of how Red Sox Astros might go in terms of pitching matchups, but Do- Dodgers Braves. So we got Morton game three, right? Yeah. Um, the, the Braves were up two to nothing last year in the NLCS against the Dodgers as well. Yep. Um, Morton pitched game three against the Dodgers in the World Series. It didn't go well. I have PTSD from that because I like essentially banked on a, a Rays game three win because Charlie <laughs> Morton was starting, and then he – what did he do in that game? Let me see. I think it was five runs in five innings. It was miserable. That's that's crazy that they let him go that long, giving up that many runs. Maybe three, three home runs, I feel. That's insane. But I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Um, I'm going to pull that up. Yeah. So, you got Morton game three in in L.A. Uh, then, who's starting for the Dodgers? Bueller. Bueller. It's uh. By the way, Morton in that game went four in the third inning, seven hits, five runs, no walks, or one walk, six strikeouts, one home run allowed. Okay, so his postseason ERA in that season went from o fifty seven to two seventy. <laughs> That's that was tough. That's tough. Um. So yeah, you got Bueller, Morton. I kind of like. Where the Dodgers are there, because it's also like a must-win thing, mm-hmm. and I don't see their struggles with runners in scoring position continuing for an entire series. That's I feel that has pitchers' dual potential. It, it definitely like, it does. hasn't been a very high-scoring series as a whole. That <coughs> that one has potential to be like a, another three-two game. Yeah, I am actually just realizing it's a rematch of Game Three last year in the World Series. It absolutely is. Um, that was not a that was not a pitchers' duel. It was not. <laughs> That was uh, six to two. Yeah. Right. No. Then, then game four. What do we got? Do we have Arias starting? Arias versus. Have the Braves announced a starter? I don't think they have. Uh, they cannot throw Bryce Wilson yeah, no. again. I they definitely like... can't throw Kyle Wright given his last performance. Um, yeah, the Braves have not announced a starter. What did they do when? Uh, did they pitch Morton twice? And yep. they did. So we don't know what their four starter looks like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they try freed out, uh, potentially. Maybe they try to have him go like one four, potentially seven. Yeah. Um, like uh, like Cleveland did with Kluber in the World Series back That's in 2016. Right. Yep. 
Um, see if that works for him. Uh, you never know, though. So, but and that's not announced. So I guess and and how game four plays out will determine how game five plays out. Yeah, pitching wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, it like uh, what what are the chances we see the Dodgers win all three? All three. I, less than fifty percent, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say like twenty five percent. I don't think I think the Braves should take at least one. Right. As crazy as it sounds. Yeah, I mean, carry. They could potentially be carrying a a lead into into Atlanta if they go back. Well, when they go back, mm-hmm. if they, or yeah, uh, you know, if the. You know, Dodgers can't win at home. No. So Braves could could win it in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I think the series does go back to Atlanta, though. Yeah, me too. I think I think the Bra the Dodgers take two out of three. Um, I don't know which one the Braves take, but I think the Dodgers take two out of three, and Braves go up and go back to Atlanta up three to two with a chance to clinch at home in Game Six. Right. Right. Um, that's what a crazy prediction considering our ex- expectations for this series. Exactly. Imagine, exactly. imagine telling us when we were in the backyard on, uh, Thursday. Yeah. Like, so basically you're going to say, realistically, the Braves will come back to Atlanta with a chance to clinch in game <laughs> six. Yeah. If they, if they don't, that's pretty disappointing considering <laughs> everything else that happened beforehand. Right. Right. That's true. And then Red Sox Astros, I think we would both agree that whoever, Wins the the three game series in Fe- at Fenway. Wins the series. You know, like you know, it's not a it's not the series, but it's like a three game stretch at Fenway. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins that probably is going to win the series. Yeah, I think I, my prediction for the series as a whole, I think, is holding up pretty well. I think the Red Sox are in the driver's seat after what we saw in Houston. You know, game one was very attainable; they just didn't get it done, and then game two was just they played better. Yeah. So I think you know going into Fenway, like that atmosphere is just very different over there. It is. Um, yeah, I think the Red Sox realistically should take two out of three at Fenway. Right. Um, I just don't know which games they're going to be. It's it's kind of un- unpredictable I think, that way. I think if the Astros were to take one, I'd say it would be either games three or five. Um, like I just don't love their pitching situation in Game Four, given what their pitching has been through so far. Right. Right. Um, the <clears throat> the Astros winning all three would be I I put the chances very very low on that. Yep. Red Sox winning all three, you know, I still like not likely going to happen, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world, in my mind. Um, especially given how this offense has performed. I mean, yep. The entire postseason, um, I think their average exit velocity is around ninety one miles per hour. They're Hard hit rate is around like forty five percent, which to do that as a team is just crazy. Um, they had over a nine hundred OPS in the ALDS. They have a, over a nine hundred OPS in the ALCS. That offense is is something, and it's hard to stop that uh, in the middle of a postseason. So that's something that gives me confidence as a Red Sox fan is how the offense is just consistently going, and it it makes it ma- it makes whoever's pitching, whoever's starting on the mound. A little less important when you have a when you have an offense like that. Hundred percent. Just, just performing the way that they currently are. Yeah, it's, like those hitters are locked in. You know, like every like it feels like everyone has a chance to do something, even if it's not a home run. Like everyone has a chance to do something. Yeah, just move a runner around. Yeah. Anything. Um, that's that's something that should inspire confidence. And uh, I guess I said socks and seven. Excuse me, as my nose is just stuffy. Yeah. Um, I said Sox in seven, thinking that Eovaldi would not be the game two starter for the Red Sox, because if if I knew Eovaldi would be the game two starter, then uh, it and it went game seven, then that would mean that the Red Sox would have to lose game six, uh, pretty much, or yeah. or or actually they could come back technically, but. Uh, that's what how I would assume it would go. So it would be weird seeing them, uh, like lose with Eovaldi on the mound. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. We will see. Indeed, we will. Um. All right. So I guess that does it for, um. 
uh, for Above Replacement Radio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where we will be talking about uh, the past three Red Sox Astros games and the past two Dodgers Braves games. So we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>